welcome to the Dildork Stalky Discourse on Sex, Dating, and Masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and a key holder. And I'm on vacation this week, so I'm not joined by my usual co-host. I'm joined instead by my lovely spouse, MB. Hello. Hi. Hi. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm MB. Uh, I'm your spouse. I think you covered the main things. I'm, I guess, a... Uh, what's the opposite of a key holder? Mm, a key beholder. <laughs> a, a locked, uh, sub. A locked sub, yes. Yeah, so we're recording this in mid-November after having completed October together this past month. And we thought that we should talk a little bit about what October was like. We've talked about chastity before, but I think is kind of a different deal in many ways. So can you tell us a little bit about like what is Locktober and how did you discover it? Sure. Um, Locktober is uh, a pun on October. Uh, obviously for um, folks into chastity, um, most people who do it uh, are trying to stay in chastity or locked for the entire month of October, um, either solo uh, or with a key holder. It's been growing in popularity a lot since 2019. More and more people searching for it every year. More and more people seeming to do it every year. And I think I probably heard around it, heard about it sometime before that, but didn't really investigate it more deeply until um, I was planning to do chastity for the first time and in, uh, in like 20, 2020. Yeah, something that we've talked about before is that it seems like the pandemic brought about a uh, new wave of people interested in chastity and I know you have some thoughts on like why that might be. Yeah, it it could it could be the pandemic, it could be something else, but I think like definitely the last few years I've seen a huge increase in the number of folks on uh, social media talking about chastity. Uh, chastity podcasts have started to pop up when there weren't really any before, the resurgence of chastity blogs and stuff like that and I think one of the reasons why it could be the pandemic that's one of the contributing factors is um, we were all locked inside for a while uh, or, or, or as close to it as we could get uh, in isolation. And that makes you think like, OK, what about this do I like? What about this am I what, what about this do I not like? And how can I kind of reclaim or take control of this through it, uh, make it kinky, essentially? Um, some people were separated from their partners and so they were forced into some type of chastity or um, some people maybe felt like they were just jerking off too much and, and wanted to, uh, to cut back for that kind of reason. But all of those, I think, and more uh, feed into the growth of this, uh, this kink. What do you think? Yeah, I think that there's also been this growing wave of people interested in sort of like no fap and the idea of like porn addiction and like trying to cut back on porn and masturbation. And, you know, there's a lot of arguments on both sides of that, I think. Like, I don't really believe porn addiction is a true addiction in the medical sense, but I'm also not a psychotherapist but I do think that a lot of people have internalized ideas about what would qualify as an excessive amount of masturbation and some people may do that in more of like a puritanical like self-judgmental way but some people I think eroticize that idea and the idea of like being unable to resist it or having to fight against it and so 
you know, these are all tied up together. How long were you doing chastity before attempting October for the first time? And then like, what made you want to commit to a month of it? Let me pull up the spreadsheet. So <clears throat> when, when you and I do chastity together, I keep uh, pretty detailed notes, both, um, of the emotional side of things in a journal that, that you have access to, but also in a spreadsheet that uh, that lists the length of each lockup, what cage I was using. Um, and, and so it looks like we started in August of 2020. Uh, the first lockup was like two and a half days, and then nine days, then one day. And that first um, year, we did Locktober. So from August to sort of October 1st, I guess, was sort of training for it. And then and then that's when we did it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And is that something you would recommend for newbies is to do shorter lockups before committing to a longer time? Yeah, I absolutely wouldn't recommend 30 days as the first time uh, doing any kink thing for 30 days straight. Uh, I wouldn't recommend. So yeah, I think um, a weekend, a, a day is, is, is good if you you just want to test it out you're not sure you're going to be into it um a weekend is a good length of time to, to really to really see because a day anyone can kind of go a day uh most people at least a weekend um especially a weekend that you're spending with your partner like focused on it or remotely focused on it i think is a good the next step then i would do a week or a little over a week and then a month that would be my like prescription for training for locktober mm-hmm. and what do you feel you have gotten out of doing it for longer periods of time, like a month, that you can't or haven't gotten out of shorter periods? Like, how would you pitch someone on, like, why they should consider doing a longer period of time? I think if you do the shorter periods of time, you'll know on your own, like, whether longer appeals to you. Some people are on a whole on a whole other spectrum than me, where they want to do permanent chastity or they want to do years at a time uh, they're trying to minimize the time that they're not in a chastity cage or, or minimize the number of orgasms they're having um, and so maybe you're maybe you're more on that side and for that reason October doesn't appeal to you because like that's too short mm-hmm. um, but the things that I get out of uh, longer than a week let's say lockups are um, kind of dependent on what how the lockup is managed and like I think some of the psychological effects come out of not being stimulated. Some of them come out of being teased and some of, some of them come out of like not having orgasms. So depending on how you do chastity, you might see different flavors of that in longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the teasing thing because I know that when we first started doing October or even like longer lockups, I was worried about my energy level and sustaining uh, my ability to be dominant, which normally I'm more submissive in our dynamic, but I am more dominant when you're locked up. And you had given me the note that if I wasn't like teasing you pretty often or like giving you a task every day, that it made you feel alone in the kink and like I wasn't like participating in it with you, which like obviously I didn't really, I really didn't want you to feel that way. And I think that I had assumed that just like having it on you was like the main thing, like mm. that feeling it physically on you would be like enough of a reminder. And, and I just like really was like slacking and like not being the dominant who, who I want to be. I mean, I would say you were learning, not slacking, right? Like, cause like slacking is like you, you, you were doing that intentionally, which you weren't, you pointed out like when you're learning a new kink together, 
the part of it is, especially if it's not your kink or not something that you've ever bombed for, right, is figuring out like what makes it hot, how to do it, how to dom for it. That's all part of the process. And I think it's hard to give advice uh, on this generally, but from what I've seen, and I, and I read a lot of chastity content, I follow a lot of chastity uh, folks on the internet, the cage or the belt or whatever you're wearing acts as an anchor for a day or two, but then your body will pretty much get used to it. Like you won't even feel it. Like I'm wearing one right now. I don't feel it at all as I'm sitting here. So then what you have is like when you get aroused, when you have erections, you have that, um, that frustration of pushing up against it or whatever. But if there's nothing to cause that, then it just feels like I just have this on my body for no reason. Like I'm doing this for no reason, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was helpful for me to get that note from you that you wanted more teasing because I think that I had felt that maybe it was like mean in like a not fun way especially Mm. on nights when like I didn't feel like having sex or like having phone sex as the case may be and I just like wanted to go to bed and I felt like the kindest thing to do would like be to not engage with you sexually in that yeah yeah that makes sense but it but it it is the opposite for most people I think yeah because I was like I don't want to like give you like worse blue balls than you already have and like make you feel like more deprived than you normally would and I also like didn't have a lot of confidence then in like saying no and like rejecting you in like a fun kinky way (laughs) yeah that's another important thing to negotiate I think is like is begging okay when is it okay and and what will be the result of that right and like we've like you've tweaked the protocol on that a few times as we've done it and like figured figured out where and how that kind of like I, I guess bratting is acceptable and where it isn't yeah, I mean, you say bratting, I think, like, definitionally it technically would be, but, like, when you're begging, I, I don't think it's, like, really bratty. Right, it's, right. It's, like, plaintive. And, right. And I think the thing for me is, like, often if you are at a point of begging, like, I've already decided that it's a no, but there's occasional times when you are begging and it, like, awakens some, like, responsive desire thing for me where I'm like, oh, like, I didn't know that you wanted to go down on me that much, that you're willing to, like pay me hundreds of dollars sure. or like whatever we're gonna do buy me like a fancy sweater or something and so that can be sort of fun for me and like exciting but then also it can also be fun and exciting to just be like no no thank you i'm good <laughs> just deal with it <laughs> we were talking about cages and belts and stuff and i know that buying the equipment and like finding the right equipment and the right size and everything can be a really big barrier for people like either financially or just like in terms of the enormity of what's out there so I wonder if you could speak to doing October without a device do you think that's possible to do and like how do you think things would change if you were going to do it that way I think it's possible uh, for some people I think a lot of people would struggle with that Um, not because the cage makes it impossible to self-stimulate as people have pointed out many times online like the type of cage that I wear is a ball trap device which just means that it has a a ring that goes around the scrotum and then a cage part that um, connects to that and that's where the lock is Uh, you can pull out of those right there's nothing the only thing keeping you in there uh, is like gravity and tension you can some soap easily pull out um maybe you won't be able to get your balls through but you could 
take your shaft out easily. Um, the the thing about the cages is it's a reminder mm-hmm. more than it is a um, uh, security device. That changes when you have uh, a, a piercing. And a lot of people who do chastity and who do it for longer periods find that getting a piercing to increase that security uh, is great because then you can hook the piercing into the cage and then you're really not getting out without doing some severe bodily harm. Um, the In terms of doing it for a month without a cage, I wouldn't recommend it uh, just because middle of the night, you get turned on, you don't ha- when you reach down or, or feel yourself get turned on, you don't have that reminder in that state, like, oh, I'm not supposed to touch this, whereas I do, and I think that that is really helpful um, for longer periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess it depends also on the amount of self-control you have, and that ties into another thing that we wanted to talk about, which was, like, can you do Locktober without a key holder? Um, Absolutely. Yeah, lots of people do. But tons and tons of people uh, all across the sort of DS spectrum uh, are self-locked. Uh, it's really popular, and I think it's it's increasingly popular, especially gay men who self lock, and then um, maybe they'll go on grinder and like have some uh, liaisons during that period, maybe bottoming while locked, um, but uh, but they don't have like a consistent key holder for the entire time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of times people will ask me. I imagine they've probably asked you too. Like, how do I find a key holder? And I don't have advice on that because, like, I think for me, like, if some random person had ever approached me and been like, do you want to be my key holder? I'd be like, no, like, that's not my kink. And, like, I don't know you and I don't have any reason to, like, care enough to do that. Even if I was being paid, like, in a sex work context, which I know some sex workers do this, like, I think I would have a hard time, like, wrapping my head around, like, how to do that without, like, directly caring about it uh, in the way that I do when it's my partner and my partner's dick. Um, yeah, I mean, it, if you're looking for a key holder um, and you have a partner, I think it's the type of conversation that you should start, a partner or partners, should start by having those conversations with your partners and seeing if they'd be interested in trying it. Similarly, like for a day or a week or something um, and, and see how that goes. Explain why it's hot. You know, there are uh, many posts on, on Reddit and I think one company even sells a like form letter of like, here's what you should say to your partner. But if you don't have a partner, then... Uh, yeah, there are plenty of service providers who are really happy to provide this service and have sales on it for October and et cetera. And that's that's a great way to go. I wouldn't recommend doing what a lot of people on Reddit seem to do in the chastity subreddit and just like asking their best friend, hey, will you be my key holder? Unless you have that kind of relationship, I think that, that might make someone feel really uncomfortable. Um, if you've never had any sort of sexual contact and then suddenly you're like, hey, do you want the key to my genitals? <laughs> Uh, it works out for some people apparently if they're telling the truth, but I, I wouldn't recommend it. I can sort of see the logic because it's sort of in some ways like the accountability of like, will you be my workout buddy or like, will you make sure that I'm writing sure. 300 words a day or whatever on this project or something like that. But obviously like it does have a big sexual element to it generally. And yeah, if you're not, uh, if you're not sexually involved with someone or like at least involved with them in a kink way, I think it would be a tough sell. And I, I, I'd love to um, hear from you a little bit more about like how much labor or how much effort it is to to be a key holder because that's another thing that I think people fail to consider is like, oh, I just want a key holder. It's so easy. All I have to do is like wear this necklace or whatever. But, but in reality, I think it's a lot more work than that. Well, I think it really depends on the people involved. 
because as much as like we've talked about you enjoy being teased and being like deliberately explicitly denied at times and that kind of thing like I think some people would find it hard to be kind of like really denied like denied even the teasing and to be sort of like ignored and then there of course are people who would want it to be even more involved than the way we do it like you know milking somebody through their cage every night or whatever so I think it's important to have conversations up front about like what would this ideally look for you and like how does that work with like the energy and time that I have available to offer I think one thing that has made it work really well for us is that I have this part of me that is like not a part of me I like to bring out generally in my life because uh this is a part who's like sort of self-absorbed and like spoiled princess kind of vibes and like I deserve to be treated well and people should be like begging to go down on me and this kind of stuff and it's like I don't really want to be that person on a random tinder date yeah that's (laughs) right I don't know you hear horror stories about this kind of thing or people being pillow princesses when that's like not the agreement or whatever and I think I really like letting that part of me out in our chastity dynamic and being able to be a bit of a bratty dom and like kind of make fun of you or like laugh at you make you buy me stuff we just earlier today went to a Victoria's Secret and I made you buy me underwear that was fun um so I think as a key holder it's important to figure out like things that you find hot about it and I also think it's important to acknowledge and we talk about this a lot on the dildorks actually but Something being hot doesn't necessarily mean that it, like, directly genitally arouses you. I think that that was, like, an important thing for me to learn. Like, I get a rush of, like, excitement and pleasure from you, like, begging to go down on me or, like, begging to buy me stuff or whatever. But it's not always, like, a directly, like, genital feeling. It's sometimes more like a the way you would feel if your crush, like, flirted with you or, you know, more of a, an emotional feeling, I guess. Um, and that's that's valid too but I would say like if you're wanting to be a key holder like it is important to figure out what you're gonna get out of it because you'll you'll get burned out really quickly I think if you're not really getting that much out of it I find it hard to imagine how I would sustain it for any amount of time if I felt like I was just doing it like out of obligation or whatever can you tell me about how the physical and psychological effects of chastity change when you're doing it for weeks at a time versus just a few days. Um, yeah, it does depend on whether you're having orgasms or not, right? Like, if you if you lock something on, if if you uh, are just not having sexual contact, that's different than if you're not having orgasms. So, like, what are you most interested in? I'm curious in hearing about the difference. Hmm. Okay. So, at least for me, and and the content that I've mostly read. The intensity of the sensation, the physical and psychological sensations, really builds over about the first seven days without an orgasm, kind of peaking around day seven. And then it gets uh, it gets sort of levels out a little bit from there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can maximize teasing someone for about seven days or so uh uh, without orgasm, mm-hmm. the emotional effects I think follow a pretty similar curve, although they are less responsive to just like the chemical release of having an orgasm. So if you stay in chastity for longer, you get more of those emotional effects, and those are like kind of um, dependent on your relationship with your key holder. But for me, like 
sort of feels like when we started dating or like NRE or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I find that to be a very lovely aspect of it because, of course, like it's very flattering, but I think it also like inspires a lot of the same feelings in me, like just to be mirrored back. Mm. Oh, the other thing is like um, if you are if you have for for me, for instance, I have a fully closed cage. It's stainless steel all the way around my genitals and that will make the nerve endings inside the cage much more sensitive when you take it off um, or stimulate through it. So um, that's another thing that increases over over the uh, the time that that it's that it's on. Yeah, and that's something I consider in like when I'm deciding what things I want to do to you. And this is actually a question we should answer: is like, does chastity mean no, like? not receiving any sexual contact and like not having any orgasms or never being unlocked for that entire duration. Cause I think a lot of people assume that that is what it means, but that's not really how we do it. Yeah. A lot of people do it that way. A lot of people, um, for some people, chastity means no orgasms. For some people, it means no orgasms from the genitals that are locked up. So like you can have anal orgasms. That's fine. Um, for some people, it just means no self touch you can define it however you want. There's not a, uh, agreed upon set of rules. Um, how do you think about that? I think of it as I'm the boss of your junk for the time that you're locked up. Yeah. And I get to do with it what I want, which might include keeping you locked up or it might include unlocking you to like use your dick for my own pleasure or tease you. Um, I often like to use a vibrator on your cage and get you off that way. Um, cause that's kind of like a fun challenge. It seems like a different type of orgasm. And sometimes I want to give you that like sated sleepy feeling, but like not relieve a lot of the pressure associated with chastity. Yeah. You can do ruined orgasms. You've, we've done orgasms from, uh, anal stimulation through the cage orgasms. We've done ghost penis <laughs> we've done uh, wet dream play there's a lot of ways that you can you, you can do milking there's a lot of ways that you can create any blend of sensations and relief that you want as a top yeah and i'll say on that note i think it can be a really good kink for long distance play because obviously you don't have to be physically with someone to tell them to like lock up their dick uh, or whatever but also we've used a lot of long distance toys um while you're locked up i think probably our favorites are so there's the lovin's edge which is the prostate stimulator and i can give you anal orgasms with that without mm-hmm. unlocking you which is fun um there's the lovin's gush which is meant to be a dick vibe i think most people are probably not using it through, <laughs> through a chastity cake yeah um but it like wraps around the dick and Um, can be secured on there so we've used that over the cage which is really fun because if we were in person i would typically use the magic wand or the fun factory manta but you can't really operate those at a distance so i would have to like verbally tell you what i wanted you to do over the phone which i don't always feel like doing um and then the other one is i really like the lovin's Max. Max, which is the stroker. I like that one for when I unlock you because that one, that toy is overwhelming even if you haven't been in chastity from what I have gathered. Like vibration, contraction, 
uh, stroker texture. Um, so I find it hard to do the kind of like overstimulation, um, like playing with how sensitive you get from chastity. And I think that's like a really fun toy to do that with. How do you know that I'm being good? Like, how do you know that I'm not uh, cheating on the chastity? And does that even matter? <laughs> this came up in some fanfic stories I was writing where uh, the bottom was saying, how do you know I'm not lying and I'm not just going to jerk off? And I, and I think in, in the stories, I, ha I just have the top say, well, you're a terrible liar and you love doing what I tell you, which mm -hmm. is like a hot answer. But like, I think the, re the real answer is like that plus... Um, it just wouldn't make sense for you to like have advocated so strongly to want to do this with me and like to have built all this infrastructure around it and invest in the devices and to like not actually do it like we've we've talked about this before with reference to like sometimes you'll tell me not to jerk off for like a few days before we get together to raise my sensitivity and I just feel like if I didn't want to do that, I would just say, like, I don't really want to do that. <laughs> like, right. Because it's just, like, the reason that you're telling me to do that is for this mutual kink activity. Right. That we're both getting something out of. And if you're not into it, you don't have to do it. <laughs> right. Um, there will be there will be days, if you're doing October for the first time, there will be days where you're like, why did I sign up for 30 <laughs> days of this, right? Like, this is, this is a lot, especially if it's your first time doing it. But I think that that's why you, that's why it's important to have those, like communication protocols in place, you know, tasks that you're doing, other things to, to focus on and, and teasing and things so that it doesn't feel lonely, like you mentioned. It feels connective rather than like, oh, I'm just being punished or I'm just in this steel cage, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I feel like if you were seriously struggling with it, like wanting to sneak an orgasm or whatever i feel like you would just tell me that like i think you're a very like honest and upstanding person yeah i've seen a lot of people who aren't or not not that they're not honest and upstanding people i'm sure they are but that have struggled and have cheated and have had to go to their dominant or key holder and say like hey like i cheated i like d did this i'm sorry like punish me or whatever whatever they do in their dynamic to to heal those types of things i i i don't think that uh, I would ever let it get to that point because I would I would fear that that kind of violation would make it hard to do it ever again. Yeah. Right. Like it's just such a it's just what the whole thing is is that it's building that trust and I wouldn't want to reset that even uh, for a second. Yeah, it's almost in a similar brain space as like someone cheating on you in a in a more traditional relationship sense because it's like we agreed on this we said that we both wanted this why would you go against that. I do also think it's worth noting, though, that, like, there's probably, as with hypnosis, there's probably some people who are into the fantasy of chastity and would, like, just sort of roleplay it and act it out but don't actually want to do it. And, like, that could be valid. That could be something you could work out with somebody. Yeah, and there, and there are people who want to do it but don't have the same level of self-control or they, they are into getting punished for fucking it up or whatever. Like, there's a, it's a spectrum. Yeah, we currently have a clause in our agreements where if you get off without permission, you pay me five hundred dollars. Yeah, what it is. Yeah, because yeah. we initially had it at a hundred dollars. I think it only happened once, right? And I forget if it was. It was. I was listening to a file that you had made for me, and I I came accidentally. I didn't like stimulate or anything. I just right spontaneously had an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. So our rule is either you have to send me the money or you have to like buy me something that's an equivalent amount of money. 
and you had asked to raise it to $500, even though like it, no, I don't think it ever came up again after that first time, but it just made the stakes feel higher if it was $500. Um, it also was like sort of fun for me because like if I really wanted to be mean, I could like, you know, get you really close and tell you you're not allowed to come and then just like force you to pay me $500 basically. But like I haven't really done that. Yeah. Um, that's just sort of mean, but it's like, it's, we both know that I could do that. Right. <laughs> so right. that's really more what it's about. When you've done Locktober, have you found it useful that there's like this community of people who are doing it at the same time? Like I imagine it would sort of be like doing National Novel Writing Month where like you check in with your yeah. compatriots about like how they're doing and sort of support each other through like stumbles and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I, I do like that element of it. We didn't do it last year and I that was one of the things that I missed the most um, other than just like having this this is like the period that we do this more longer term chastity throughout the rest of the year, maybe like 10, 12, maybe 15 days. But like, this is really the only part of the year where we've done this long. And so I missed that, but I also missed the being part of things. Cause if you're on King Twitter and you're like, you know, follow a lot of chastity folks like I do, um, you'll see all their updates, their cage checks, their, uh, their, their posts about how they're feeling and how they're doing and, you know, how they're doing it. And it's fun to be a, fun to be a part of that for the month for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure for a lot of people, it helps with shame too, because a lot of kinks, as we know, uh, can induce a lot of shame. And especially I think in people who don't have a lot of kink community around them or haven't really delved into that. And so to see all these people, like, not only being into it, but, like, being really proudly into it and, like, talking about it online, I imagine it would be helpful for that. Mm-hmm. I think let's talk about polyamory a little bit. Uh, I know we have a lot of non-mono folks in the audience. One of the reasons that we didn't do Locktober last year was that we were figuring out how to do chastity with polyamory, which I think is really tricky and like extremely dependent on the individuals involved yeah there are a lot of essays about that topic in uh power circuits Mm -hmm. uh which is one of the things that i read before doing it again this year to try to make some notes on like okay how could this possibly uh possibly work Mm -hmm. and what were your key takeaways or key pieces of advice you would give for people it's the same poly advice as every piece of poly advice, which is like talk to everybody, have a lot of really long conversations, figure out what's going to make people feel good and what's going to make people feel bad, and then try to craft something um, in there. I think where we ended up is like, this is one of the kinks that you and I do exclusively, which makes you feel safe in one way. Yeah. But also, you know, in my other relationship, it doesn't mean that I can't still have sex it just look well while in the chastity it'll just look a little bit different mm-hmm. uh, than maybe when i'm unlocked and i think that, that that's a good way to do it other folks uh who their poly configuration might be different might want to share a key mm-hmm. uh or they might want to um have a rule where it's like okay well if you're on a date with another partner then this this container doesn't apply anymore mm-hmm. um but uh, i like the way we ended up for our particular situation Yeah, because we had to talk about what different people cared about. And it became clear to me that I really cared about knowing, like, exactly where you were in that sort of build of tension and denial um, in between orgasms and being unlocked. And so I was really not into the idea of, like, not having full control over that. 
um, it just kind of like didn't interest me anymore to think about it that way, um, to think about doing it that way. And so I was like, I obviously like, I know that you want me to be into it and I want me to be into it. So let's figure out a way where, where like I can still be into it. The chastity that is not the thing yeah. you said before. Yeah. 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 Chastity. Um, and so, yeah, I think we landed in a good place. Um, I once dated someone who was in a chastity dynamic with someone else and they said to me like if you would want to like use my dick you would need to like formally ask my dom for permission sure. to do that that's another way to do it yep and I was like okay like I respect that that's your structure but like I don't want to do that um I've never really loved like polydynamics where um there's a there's a unnegotiated power dynamic because that you, you there's a power dynamic there that you didn't you didn't negotiate with that person that I, right yeah, that I didn't negotiate and like I could have I'm sure that they would have like been open to sitting down and chatting about it but yeah. I, I was like I don't that feels weird to me because like I never agreed to like be in a dynamic with this other person right um, and what I would prefer is either like don't do chastity while we're together or like I just won't interact with your dick um, while we're together I don't remember which of those we ended up going with but yeah those are both totally workable yeah um, and that book you mentioned is Power Circuits by Raven Caldera, which I'll link in the show notes because it's really great. It's about uh, polyamory and DS and the ways to make that work. And I know that Sinclair Sexsmith also teaches a course about that. So you and I recently went on a deep dive on the No Not November subreddit because we're nerds. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting subreddit. If you haven't checked it out, there's like just always interesting stuff happening in there. And, you know, No Not November is not the same thing as October, but a lot of people like to do both. I would say it seems like the No Not November community is more like people who are worried about masturbation addiction or porn addiction and are trying to cut down for like what they perceive as moral reasons or like self-edification reasons whereas i think october is a lot more people who are just like no this is hot yeah a lot of the october people that continue into november don't even call it no not november they just call it november which so it's like it's a fractured uh, set of communities right yeah, and I had brought it up. I had mentioned something on Twitter about No Not November because I was really enjoying reading that subreddit and I found it so funny. And there were a bunch of people in their replies saying, like, that it's a bad movement because it's based in, like, Puritanism and it comes from, like, the No Fat movement, which at some points has been associated with sort of, like, men's rights activism mm-hmm. groups and yep. stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know. I get it if you're not into it because you don't like its roots. I also think that there's a lot of people who do it for reasons other than the reasons you might expect. So, yeah, I don't know. I try not to be too judgmental about it. But anyway, one of the things that came up in the No Nut November subreddit was about wet dreams. And it's actually such a common question that there's a bot that if you, if your post mentions wet dreams, a bot will comment and be like, the rule is officially if you had a wet dream that was like totally accidental and like inadvertent, you're fine, you're still in the challenge. But if it was a lucid dream or you like somehow deliberately cultivated the experience of a wet dream, then you're cheating essentially. Um, so... Yeah, how do we handle wet dreams in our chastity dynamic? I think that's a better question for you. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it would fall under the clause of like if you orgasm without permission that you have to pay me five hundred dollars. I think that that would be um, would fall under that. But I also 
think that like I've developed a bit of a wet dreams kink in the last like few months and so we've experimented with like purposely inducing wet dreams which is amazingly cool that we can do that so like I'll do hypnosis on you right before bed and like plant the suggestion that you're gonna have wet dreams and sometimes I'll like describe what I think that the dream should be about or whatever and you know implicitly or sometimes explicitly it's like you're allowed to come because like I'm making you yeah um i think every time we've done that you've had an actual wet dream which is unbelievable to well, me. one time i got close and then had it the next night because we just like did it again basically mm. uh but yeah every time we've done it yeah and i think that probably has to do with a combination of like first of all if you've been in chastity then you're like backed up anyway um but also you're just an amazingly suggestible hypnobottom Thank you. So, I, like, I don't feel like that would work on me in the same circumstance. Um, but it, I think it. I think it depends on how long it had been since you had an orgasm. Like, you're also a great bottom for hypnosis, so I think it would work on you. But there is the added thing of like, if you're suggesting that someone gets really aroused in their sleep, and their dick is contained in a cage that's going to like press up against it mm. all of that like combines and you would be missing you probably would be missing some elements of that right. just because like even if even if you were wearing a chastity belt they don't function the same way for vulvas as they do for right. for penises so yeah i've also never come in my sleep in my life um, I think it just like it's harder for me to come than than would really be allowed for by that situation. Mm. Yeah, that that would be a factor too. Then I've had dreams where I felt very close, and I woke up and I was super turned on. But yeah, I've never like, as far as I know, never come in my sleep. Um, would be neat to happen someday. So before we get into listener questions, I wanted to ask if you have any advice for first timers. Um, obviously, now it's November, so if they want to do. October, they would have to wait almost another year. But if people are wanting to uh, do some kind of like longer term chastity after listening to this, like what would be your advice? Yeah, gearing up for deny summer. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, uh, start slow. Uh, like we mentioned, don't don't do thirty days off the bat. Um, and then if you're looking for uh, your first chastity device, I wouldn't recommend running out and spending hundreds of dollars on something custom made uh, because you might like it less than you thought. But I also wouldn't recommend running to your local sex shop and just buying a um, CB6000, which is the most popularly carried cage, uh, because those aren't great either. Um, the middle ground uh, is one of two things, uh, if you have a, a penis. Uh, to... Get something cheap on Amazon um, that's just sort of a, a knockoff product. There's tons of them. Um, that'll work for a day or two, just testing things out, figuring out your sizing. And those are in like the 20 to $30 range for either metal or silicone cages. But uh, they won't necessarily be great for doing a full month um, because they're not going to be um, the easiest stuff to clean. They might... Uh, pinch at various spots so i wouldn't want to wear that for the full month so try that for like the first day or two figure out like what your ring size is all that stuff and then i would recommend um graduating to if, if you can afford it the uh, kink 3d cobra cage um they're really great there 
Uh, they 3D print their uh, cages um, uh, out of a nylon material, and they come in black and pink, and they will help you with sizing over email. They're really, really uh, – there's a whole Reddit community where you can um, – people swap uh, for sizing if they want to go down or up a ring size or cage size. They're sterilizable. So – um, that's where I would graduate to if you're going to do it for a full month and you have a penis. If you have a, a vulva and you want to do it with a device, I don't know as much about that. But um, I think basically there's a similar path, but without the – there's not like a go-to in the 100 to $200 range. So it's it's a little bit more expensive if you want to do it for long term and have something that's going to be hygienic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that note, I, I've heard of people sometimes wanting to do – vulva or vagina uh chastity by just like putting something in the vagina to like physically block stuff like a vaginal plug and you shouldn't really do that because if you wear something in the vagina for more than like eight hours at a time you're obstructing the natural cleaning process that goes on in there and you can get bacterial vaginosis and that kind of thing like that's why they tell you not to wear menstrual cups for longer than eight hours at a time that is the other thing too that i wanted to bring up here like if you're doing this for the first time and you feel uh you feel discomfort, you feel pain, you feel like irritation, irritation stuff like that. It's okay to stop. It's mm-hmm. okay to safe word. It's okay to take a few days out of the cage and, and keep going with the chastity. That's all fine. I don't want you to look at the community and look at, oh, this person's been doing it for 166 days and I can't even get through five and feel any shame. Um, and if if some if someone else that uh, you see on your social media had to stop or take a break, uh, it's not okay to shame them about that. Yeah. Just be chill. Bodies are different. Sex products are inherently not able to work for all people. That's just how it is. Unless they're into it and they've given you consent, in which case, go nuts. <laughs> yeah. Before we get into listener questions, I did have one more question, which was, I'm wondering, like, what benefits have you taken away from doing long-term chastity? Like, anything that you expected or anything you didn't expect? Um, yeah, productivity is a big one. I know that this does come up a lot in the No Nut November um, uh, community, more so than the chastity community, although I have been seeing it pop up more in the chastity community. Uh, I find that uh, having being in chastity, not having orgasms, um, allows me to get a lot more done in my life, both for my dominant as like task, but also for myself. Um, it's helped me... Uh, work out more consistently, um, uh, be more productive at work, stuff like that. So if you're looking for like a temporary boost with that kind of thing, like if you have a big project or whatever, I'd recommend it. Uh, some people have the opposite experience. They're so distracted that they uh, can't be productive. I haven't found that to be the case. Other than that, it's like given us a container for me to be submissive. We did a bunch of stuff with me submitting before we found this, but this has found like the most natural um, and go-to container for that. And I think that that's really nice because you can, you know, as a switch, you absolutely can burn out if you're always in one role and you feel like you want to balance that to some extent. Uh, and I think having a, a easy, consistent way to ask for submission by asking to be locked up is a really um, has been really beneficial for our relationship, mm-hmm. uh, and in developing like your dominance, a, a container for developing your dominance. Also, mm-hmm. um, what have you noticed for me or yourself? I think I often have a hard time asking for what I want. Um, 
sexually and otherwise. And I think that developing more confidence as a dominant has made it easier for me to do that and to like feel like I deserve that. I think that for me, like one of the most useful things is that you always keep a journal when you're in chastity because then I can read like your impressions of like how certain scenes went and how you're feeling. And that's been really helpful for me as like someone who's kind of nervous about being dominant. Um, that I just feel like I have this like guidebook that tells me like when I did something well or when something could have gone better. Yeah. Yeah. I really recommend that. Um, also the other thing that I forgot to mention is that it's given me the ability to have orgasms in new ways, like the wet dream stuff we talked about, the, uh, ghost penis stuff. Um, and I always love finding new ways to come. So that's, uh, that's cool. A lot of people have, uh, have found that it can, um, increase their nipple sensitivity and they can come from nipple stimulation. I haven't tried that yet, but that would be fun. Yeah, I believe that. Ghost penis, we have mentioned it a couple times and in this episode we have not defined it, but basically it's where you use a penis-like object such as a dildo, but it could be other types of objects as well, that sort of uh, visually... How do I even describe it's like this? a phantom. It's 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 like phantom limb. Phantom limb. Like you strap on a, a, a dildo and then you stimulate the dildo at, while the while the um, biological uh, penis is ignored, and you can uh, you can associate those sensations mentally and and have orgasms from it if you're uh, if you're me. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people who have topped for strap on stuff probably understand this quite intuitively because. Even though you can't feel it, feel it, you can like kind of feel it uh, in some cases because the brain is amazing. Okay, a couple listener questions from folks in the Discord. You did mention this. Uh, one person was wondering what to do about being too distracted by horniness. I believe that they said that they have been hesitant to dip their toe too much into chastity play because they worry about just the horniness overtaking and distracting them from everything. Um, I would say start on a weekend and test that theory because like you could probably be horny or whenever you don't work, you know, your weekend. Um, I don't think it's going to be as much of a problem as you would imagine that it will be. But if it is, you can keep the play to times that where it's okay to be distracted and that's fine. Yeah. I also wonder if it's one of those things that, as you said, like might peak at a certain point and then kind of round off after that. Yeah. That's another reason why, like, if you if you want to do longer term chastity and you want to keep it hot and exciting, it's important to for many people to keep teasing because you have you, you have to kind of get around that that leveling off and sort of bring back the exciting parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it also may be that if you have a dom who's commanding you to do certain things that you might feel more motivated to do them, even if you're feeling distracted. Yep. And the other question we got from a listener was about whether you ever consider chastity to be a form of gender play or experiment with gender stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, There are tons and tons and tons and tons of trans people in this kink, uh, way overrepresented. I mean, at least from from what I've seen, I don't I don't have uh, data on it. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone does. But uh, it's it's extremely useful as a way to transform your relationship with your genitals, your sexuality. Um, and there are a lot of products out there, uh, that help with that. So, um, uh, cages in bright pink, for instance, or, um, cages that have, uh, that, that compress, um, 
compress a penis into a really small, more like clit-like size, or even have like sort of vulva shape, um, combining chastity with tucking, which I've done. Uh, all, all of that is a yes. And I think that's also part of why I was so, I was interested in trying it before I really knew why I was interested in trying it. And then once I came out, uh, I was much more interested in actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, thank you so much for opening up about all this stuff for me and for our listeners, my love. And um, it's been fun doing chastity with you. It's fun doing chastity with you currently. Uh, always funny to record a chastity podcast while you're locked. <laughs> <laughs> a figging podcast while there's ginger in your ass. Yeah. <laughs> um... I've been Kate Sloan. You can find me online at katesloan.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. I have a book called 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, which has a chastity section. Yes. I think. I know that it at least goes into like orgasm control, orgasm denial kind of stuff, and that's all sort of on a continuum. Um... And I write a weekly newsletter at katesloan.email, which you can sign up for for five bucks a month. The most recent one of those was about my best advice for maintaining a long-distance relationship. And uh, chastity wasn't explicitly in there, but I would I would sort that under the point number four. Figure out the sex stuff. <laughs> Where is your stuff? Oh, uh, I'm currently um, doing uh, another month-long project, which is called Hypnovember, which is the hypnosis community. So I'm writing little tweets uh, on hypnotic topics, uh, super sleepy NB on Twitter. They are good. I like them. I also want to say if you want to support the show and help us keep doing what we're doing, you can sign up to support us at patreon.com slash the dildorks. I want to shout out our top tier Patreon supporters who we thank every week on this show. Amelia, Amy, Stabitha, Christy, Nat, and of course MB who's right in front of me. Hello. I also want to say thank you to Protodome who did our theme song. Thank you to Amy who did our logo. And thank you to my lovely guest MB for being here. And thank you to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Also want to say if you want to support the show and help us keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> no. Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> Mm-hmm.